Hey, this is Small Professor. You're listening to the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. It's why I'm easy. Mm. Easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. No, I got to stop you there, man. I got to uh, stop you there. Uh, why? We're not, we're done with Cat in the Hat. We're not talking about Cat in the Hat anymore. I'm changing my vote on Cat in the Hat. I think it's a good, bad movie. But only because of that one scene where he gets kicked in, in the fake nards and goes to his happy place. Or Lionel Richie Land. Lionel Richie Land. The Commodores. Oh, I, you know, it, it pisses me off to hear you say now that you want to change your vote on that, obviously, because <laughs> we fucking tried. I mean, I, it would have been a, it would have been a, a no either way, because I think we were four. All four of us said it was a bad, bad movie. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's still a no. It still, still would be a no. Yeah. But just the fact that you're changing your mind on it and like just telling me now is like really fucking shitty. Like yeah. really shitty, dude. Yeah, this is I mean, maybe this is my form of, you know, we'll stick it to you. Well, you know, two can play. Maybe that's got something to do with that. I don't know. I I can't really get into my head on this one and figure it out. I just, you know, feeling saucy. Look, two can play that game if you end up wanting to play that game. And and right, you want two, two can you will lose. You will lose that uh, for sure. Is that how many wins you have to? I think I have uh a two. <laughs> yeah, about two. I, I don't, don't know. I don't, fucking, honestly, I don't, I don't fucking know anymore. Like I, I, I looked at the tap. <laughs> I stopped tallying. Thing. I just like looked at him just like, wow, that's a lot of no for me. Um, I, yeah. uh, I have not done well uh, with this season, but you know, I think today's movie might be, mm-hmm. uh, might turn my fortune around a little today's bit. movie. What, what's today's movie? Oh, cause you know what we're watching. We're watching Nicholas Cage. Oh, I, watching Nicolas I Cage know is knowing what we're watching. Yes, you know what we're watching. I know. So you would say I have knowing. I possess knowledge. What are you doing? I know, Gary. Once I just, I feel like once you know, you know, you just like, no. You can't lose the knowledge, man. It's there forever. I mean, unless like you're stricken or like you know possible disease like there's ways to lose knowledge of course but like this kind of knowledge this understanding it's unforgettable you just know you live forever with knowing you know we'll be right back I'm thrilled to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Small Professor. You may know the producer from his work in the Philadelphia-based Wrecking Crew and related projects like Blue Edwards and Career Crooks. He recently dropped an album with rapper AJ Swade entitled 100 Year Darkness, which you can listen to wherever music is streamed or sold. Also joining us is Dylan Green. He's a contributing editor at Pitchfork, as well as the host of his own Hip Hop Meets Movies podcast, Real Notes, available on all podcast platforms. Hello, and welcome to you both. Peace. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. We're talking about Nicolas Cage today. 
And mm. uh, Jeff picked quite a Nicolas Cage movie, and we're going to have a, a lot to get into with it for sure. Obviously, we've all had our experiences with the movies of Nicolas Cage, and I wanted to uh, ask our guests if there are any particular movies or performances in particular from Nicolas Cage that they were quite fond of or quite enjoyed. Um, so I guess to start, um, I saw The Unbearable Way to Master Talent maybe about, oh. about a month ago. I want to say. <laughs> oh, it's excellent. Oh, man. I, w- I, w- I wish I liked it more, but I did like it a lot. You know, yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I, I don't like it was just I, I, I think Nick Cage is the only actor who could get away with a movie like that. I can't think of anybody else like like you need to have such a specific career trajectory and such a specific relationship with movie fans to be able mm. to make something like this and not have it be the most insufferable piece of shit on planet Earth. But like, I, but but like the thing about him is like on top of that, he's also just like a really good actor too. Like he's not just he's not just a meme. He's like a meme for a reason, and like stuff I made like a list this. of actors that might have done that kind of movie in my head, you know. And the only one I think that would have the like the stones to try and pull it off, and it would be awful, was like Ethan Hawke would do that kind of movie. Oh, and man. the fact that we got it for Nicolas Cage and we didn't have to deal with someone insufferable made that movie like a hundred thousand times better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I still haven't seen it, uh, you know, just because I haven't been really going to the movies, uh, but I'm starting to go to the movies now out of COVID. And so we did see, uh, Jeff and I went to go see a screening of 1995's Heat, which mm. reminds me that, oh, Al wow. Pacino, that Al Pacino has his own version of the uh, the Nick Cage playing himself mm-hmm. movie, uh, from his role in Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill, where he played oh, yeah. himself. Uh, mm. You, you try to find a way to get that movie into this podcast so often. <laughs> I'm surprised y'all haven't done it yet. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I'm not going to watch it. Oh, I recently rewatched it. It is, it is as atrocious as when I first saw it in the theaters. It is a doozy of a film. <laughs> For sure. Small Professor, what are your uh, some of your favorite uh, Nicolas Cage performances? Well, um, when you... X that question. The first movie that came to mind was Face Off. Yes, yeah, like automatically. And a, a slight echo was Lord of War. That's one of those sleepers, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Other than that, I I would definitely say I'm a fan. If if somebody's watching any of the National Treasure movies, I will sit down oh, and yeah. watch it. Absolutely, it doesn't yeah. even matter which one. <laughs> That National Treasure franchise is an interesting kind of lead into the conversation about knowing because kind of where knowing falls in his filmography mm-hmm. is now we are at about a year and a half removed. So less than two years removed from the second National Treasure movie. So that was the a Book of Secrets was 2007. Um, and, you know, another huge success. But it's a strange time for Nicolas Cage, too, because after that, he uh, he has a few uh, few misses. Uh, he does Bangkok Dangerous, which I saw in theaters, the remake about a, uh, uh, I think it was a deaf or hard of hearing hitman. And then Next, which was the film that when Jeff first suggested we watch Knowing, I said, wait, I think I've seen this one. It was, but it was mm. Next. Next is another movie about seeing the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I think I thought the same thing when uh, I saw the title. They, those two movies came out within like a year of each other, so it's or so like so it's very easy to conflate the two because they it also both it was confusing to live through that era yeah. with Nick Cage. A lot Nick of the Cage. movies started to feel like, 
okay, you're kind of omni omniscient, uh, omnipresent. There, there's always an omni involved. Mm. And I don't really know if you have powers or not. You don't. Maybe you do. It's a, it's a weird time to be a Nicolas Cage fan in that era. If I remember correctly, he also has the same haircut in both movies. And the haircut's <laughs> terrible. So yes. there's also that. <laughs> that is absolutely a factor in there. And then, like, so knowing is sort of this film that is, the like, one of the last Nicolas Cage blockbusters. Perhaps mm. the last one, a uh, true Nicolas Cage blockbuster. I mean, we can talk about Kick-Ass. We can talk about sort of things where he's come in there. But like, he as the lead person, it's sort of after knowing he does Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Incredible. Amazing film. movie. One of so my favorites. A fantastic yeah. film. Are we all agreed on that one? That is yeah. a delight. Mm. That is an overacting joy. Oh. But exhibits in that one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Shoot him, his body's still dancing. Yeah, <laughs> type shits. <laughs> That's a wonderful movie um, for, for in terms of bad movies. But of course, it didn't do very well. And then like after that, it's just like mostly flops. And then that kind of directed video, directed digital fare, really up until like 2018's Mandy, he was basically kind of, you know, became sort of this running gag. There was there was a cage of songs, a, a rebirth. With that and like color out of space. Right. Yes. Then he starts doing color out of space. Then he does pig and people take like they, all these other films. Like, yeah. And then there's these fun things in there, like what Wally's Wonderland and, uh, uh, and then more recently, the, uh, the, the, uh, I, I can never remember I, the unbearable likeness of being in his cage. <laughs> the unbearable the, way yeah, of yeah. <laughs> Whatever the yeah. fuck name of that thing is. The unbearable yeah. cage of Cage's cage. Milan Kunderis, yes. Nicholas Cage, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Perfect. But I wanted to kind of frame this because knowing was still when like Nicolas Cage was a very bankable star and before this period where he's sort of just like he he's either paying off a large tax bill or uh, is trying to add more pools and, and vampire skeletons to his collection uh, by just picking these these dreadful things. So with that in mind. Was this everyone's first time seeing Knowing, or had you seen it before? This was my first time. Yeah, it was my first time, too. I thought I'd seen it before, but it was definitely my first time. That means the uh, I was the only one going in who uh, who knew. Uh, I went in, and I know. I know what, what it was, yes. You should have known better. Uh-uh. Don't do this yet. You're not ready. No, you fucking started it. All right, you this started with this. You're going to do this rolls. whole fucking episode. I know you. No, okay. Now we're going to start. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff, why, do you, why the hell do you think this movie rules? Is that where we want to start? Yeah, actually, I do want to start. Like, why is it that you think this movie rules? Like, you're just saying this out the gate. I'm saying it. I, I, this is like my fourth time feeding my knowledge. And Fuck. each time it's gotten better and better. Better and better. The boring parts are ignorable on a on a rewatch, and you just kind of focus on the absolute absurdity that is surrounding you the whole movie. Everyone is acting crazy as fuck. Nobody's making any sense. People just show up in places. They're like, wait, well, how did you get there? It doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter. You mean like how Rose Byrne suddenly just shows up at Nicolas Cage's house, not exactly having that. had any idea where he lived? They just decided not to, uh, you know, worry about it. They're like, well, she's just there. They gave her Jason Voorhees powers. And this this all coincides with my theory that 
this is how people will act at the end of the world. They just start making crazy decisions. Nothing makes any sense. It's going to be incredible. It's localized, though, because like most people don't find out in this film that it's the end of the world. Spoiler alert. Sorry, everybody out there. Um, this is a movie about uh, the end of the, the world. apocalypse. Right. Very similar to uh, another movie that came out in the same year called 2012, starring John Cusack. Same sort of like global cataclysmic, you know. Yeah, go watch that and then be like you would you'll you'll be like man i really wish i was watching knowing no i would be like maybe i really would like to watch 2020 i'm gonna watch knowing again <laughs> i really want to know i gotta know man. We're, we're looking at this sort of you know this sort of situation like one person who knows something is happening as opposed to the rest of the world because by the time everybody else knows it's just the typical amount of panic and and stealing right and, but and i theft. mean just like but there was a lot of crazy shit happening and people like people sense the end of things. They sense a storm is coming and they do crazy shit. And Nicolas Cage is the craziest of them all. It's great. He's such a fucking weirdo in this movie. This character is so yes. weird in so many ways. And he's weird because of how they what they've made his characteristics and his character traits, as well as how he performs in this. Like he's an astrophysicist. But that's a detail that only matters like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie <laughs> when he suddenly brings up solar flare research that had yes. never been mentioned before. Yes. <laughs> and it's kind of treated as he's like, well, as you know, he's sort of always talking to us. Well, as you know, I'm an astrophysicist. I'm like, I didn't know that. No, we don't. That's I, thought he was a fucking, I thought he was a fucking philosophy <laughs> professor. I did too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I knew, I knew he was like some sort of professor, and like, like I would have believed it more if like we had known that he had done the research on the solar flares. He's like, I wrote a whole paper about it, and like the paper is telling me that like, yeah, we're all gonna die. Like, like, like I gotta say, this movie is so silly to me, and like I don't know if, and and, like I don't know if it's in like a good or a bad way yet. Like I've like I watched. So you don't know? No, Jesus fuck. You're not going to do the whole episode. <laughs> I am going to do it. You know I'm going to do it the whole episode. Oh, That's the problem. Is that why you chose this you movie, know. just so you could do this? You know I do. This is your bit uh, for the whole episode. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Small, <laughs> you're a professor. Do professors act like this? Dylan, like the word silly, that you, it, it seems totally after this. So much of this feels silly in every way. Like the, oh, by the way, he's an astrophysicist. That's right. So and, and like and like on top of that, like like for maybe maybe about like the the last 40 percent of the movie, like the fucking score with all the violins and everything's all like oh. tout and suspenseful. But it, but, but but like it just like like it just feels like fucking like Tales from the Crypt or like a Twilight Zone episode. Mm -hmm. And like and like you're supposed to be taking everything really seriously. But all you see is like Nick Cage, like stiffly running at the running at people just like with a little do do It's just like. It's just so cheesy. And I'm like, like, I like I, I watched it probably about three days ago and I still don't know if I liked it or not. Like, so that probably means that it was at least some sort of fun. You know, like I had a great time watching it, but I don't know if I like genuinely fuck with it or not yet. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. Well, that's sort of thing how we go through or that kind of small professor. What about your first impressions? Uh, having having seen this now, now that you know, uh, I'm I'm pretty much um, feeling the same way, not no not knowing <laughs> if I love no, it. No, not you too. Not you too, man. 
Uh, yeah. It definitely has some interesting um, parts that I um, I liked a lot. Um, the lecture, um, for one, I thought was pretty cool. But that doesn't seem like an astrophysicist lecture. That seems like a philosopher's Not at lecture. all. Not at all. I guess and it was the, long. The time. Oh yeah. The the students in the class though were killing. It. I was like, man, this is the most. Um, this is the best class you can find. They were firing off answers like it was nothing. Real MIT bright bright boys and girls. Yeah, that's for sure. I would. That would be like if that was what a philosophy class or an astrophysics class mm-hmm. would have been like. I definitely would have enjoyed school more, mm-hmm. I think. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like, so how come he is like such a engaging professor, but like otherwise weirdly, awkwardly antisocial? Like he's not exactly a great dad. You met oh, any professors? With, with I his, thought the same thing. Like he's not depicted as particularly great. Like the hot, <laughs> his, his famous Sunday hot dogs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No wonder wow. this kid is a vegetarian all of a sudden. Yeah, this kid's like, I can't keep eating this shit. And then, like, <laughs> these are awful. They live in a house that is literally falling apart. That house is, why does that house look so dilapidated? And do they ever explain why it's in such disrepair? Do perfect, like, do MIT professors make zero dollars? Is that the thing? I have no idea how much you would make being an MIT professor. I mean, it's one of like the most prestigious colleges in the country. I have to assume that an astrophysicist makes decent, decent something. I just always assume that someone somewhere has found a way to take the money from the teacher because that's happened everywhere. But yeah. hmm. I don't know yeah. if they're like an exception to that rule or what. I mean, like, like he I mean, is living in squalor. Son's wife passed away. So I just assumed I just assumed that he was just like, like, I just assumed that he was completely checked out as a dad. And as a homeowner, I guess, because like he was still that's a good angle. He was he was still clearly fucked up over his wife dying. She died in one. She died in one of the uh, one of the events that uh, that um, Lucinda predicted. I forget which one. But yeah. Like, you know, he he's the like hotel he's, fire. Yeah, the hotel right. Fire. The hotel fire. Right. So he's I just kind of assumed that like the movie opened with him having already checked out and he's just like gone. You know, or like, I don't know gone, when like she distant. dies. It never really, I don't think it ever really specifically tells you when she's died. But yeah, those things weird. happened way before she died. Did they move there after she died? He just wanted to get away from everything. Like, did, did her death involve the paint coming off of the walls? I just, right. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Right. I don't understand. Like, I think this is as much her fault as anything. And I think she just got lucky and checked out. They could have just dealt with this with like all it would have taken like so many things in this movie just would have taken a little line here and there. It could just be like, uh, oh, this house was a fixer upper when we bought it. Like then you just go fine. I can accept that he's doing these like math, trying to figure out the code, doing these math problems in what looks like like CBGB's bathroom or then fucking I don't understand why they leave that bit of information out and just expect us to like watch him brood and drink in that basement and that's the other thing it maybe he's an alcoholic or at least just a heavy antisocial drinker but like that's that's a question i have uh having watched this movie a lot of times um uh, who fucking cares it doesn't <laughs> impair like it doesn't impair him he doesn't try to drive drunk he doesn't try to like do anything bad while he's drunk he's not lecherous he doesn't go to bars and start fights he just like hangs out and watches the news and drinks alcohol 
before bed. <laughs> but then he That's won't not even an drink. alcoholic. No, but Why then he won't be focusing on this. But then he won't even drink iced tea with the old lady. I know. <laughs> right. And she's spiking it. Uh, it's all these traits that don't matter. It's all these character traits they throw about it that don't matter. He clearly can't talk to a human being because he's, he's incapable of talking to Rose Byrne like a normal person at any point in the, the attractions. World is ending. Like, how do you roll up into a conversation with a stranger and say, your mom had like crazy abilities and I have figured out a pattern to it and we're all going to die. Oh, yeah. But he was smart enough to stage. <laughs> he was smart enough to stage a meet cute before then by basically sending mm. his, his son off to the other girl. And then he's just like, hey, is that your kid? And it's like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> Stranger in a museum. His yeah, kid is yeah. way better at talking to women than and it's just like it's just like oh yeah like uh i just uh you know like i didn't just totally follow you from your house and like figure out who you are and send my son after you and then just like listen to me you're engraved it's like it's like it's like that nicholas cage voice is just like i like that nicholas cage voice (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you he just like some nixon in there (laughs) he just like can't like i can't imagine nick cage saying anything to anybody and I'm supposed to take that shit serious. Like, how am I supposed to take, how am I supposed to take anything he said as serious? Like, ever. Especially at that point in his career, we had seen him do some really weird, crazy shit. Like, at that point, we all sort of knew what Cage Rage does. And this is actually a, a pretty subdued Nicolas Cage performance. Oh, yeah. yeah Minus, no like, man. two or three <laughs> scenes. Most of the overacting we get out of him now is no words, like when he just reaches into fire. <laughs> if you if you if you remember correctly, he just walks around and into fire when there was a, a, a plane crash. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he just oh, reaches yeah. in after like this dude's burning in a gigantic field full of fire, and he walks up to the fire and puts both his arms in and he's like, Yeah, I guess I can't help, and just slowly brings them back out of him. <laughs> That whole scene was so bizarre. <laughs> the, like, mm-hmm. Obviously, like the, the, the scenes of disaster and mass death are all so unintentionally hilarious. Yes. Like the plane crash is great. Like there he is. And they, they, now they make a big deal about this having been like one continuous shot of him running to the wreckage. And the fact that anyone walked away from that wreckage is absolutely stunning to me. Because I don't understand right. how anybody gets out of that alive. Right. But like somebody is like on fire running towards him. And he says, hey, hey, yeah, right. person on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is awesome. What, <laughs> what good is that doing for anybody? Does hey. that help anybody in the situation? Hey, you there. <laughs> what time is it? What day is it? The most realistic <laughs> thing, the most realistic thing that happens in that scene is when the firefighters and emergency people say, get out of here. <laughs> they send him away. You are not helping. Wrong with you? Leave. <laughs> And he's still just kind of and he still just kind of lingers like maybe I should just like yo I just with really bad movies I like to play a game called is this real (laughs) like is this person actually there or are they like an arbiter of the story like they're there to like make sure we see the story and like ciphers and shit yeah totally so he like reaches into fire or like chases a guy through a bunch of people and nobody like falls down. Nothing weird happens. He's just chasing a guy through a gigantic crowd perfectly with no issues. There's only one of those moments in the film that I think didn't actually happen. And that's when he's he's already given up his son to the aliens 
and he's driving right. through uh driving through all the people dystopian boston and right. they just sees, get out the way it sees his, like it sees out his car window his friend played by ben Mendelssohn, and his friend's wife like holding each other in the streets of boston that definitely did not fucking happen that is a hallucination of a crazy man i think there's a sort of mix between see i think all of the things happened and i'm with you except for the the weird seeing his friend in the street thing which makes no fucking sense no sense but i think that all of the things happened is just whether or not he could affect them at all and i don't think he could they were willed to happen it's a a sort of a predestination argument inside the movie Right. And of course, like, and even of- if you run in and say the building's on fire, no one is going to believe you until like the smoke inhalation makes them, you know, pointless. They can't do it because yeah. he helps no one at any point. No, he doesn't save any lives in this movie at all. Everyone who was supposed to die dies. <laughs> right. Oh, well, Wait. he didn't save anybody, did he? What about what about that one woman on the train that he was like, did she die with the baby? No, the baby. No, no, um, no they didn't. No, she, she didn't die. He he was on top of her. Like, but like maybe she. But then, of course, the same number of people who were supposed to have died in that accident died. happened. Exactly. So she wasn't going right. to die anyway. So okay. if like you roll up to the scene of this accident and you put a blanket around this guy, and he stops burning to death and like maybe lives. You just killed somebody else at the scene. <laughs> just, and the sound effect when it happened too, just like, so I was like, that, right. that would not happen. <laughs> like totally, like it's like a, a bucket of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and, like, and like, now that we're bringing this up, one thing, one thing I thought while watching all these, um, um, while watching the movie and thinking about all, like, this is really just a slightly more serious Final Destination movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's like wow. it's a Final Destination movie, but it's the end of the world. Like, like that's all I could think of. And just like, even though, like, like I think the only one of those that took itself like deathly seriously was probably Number Two, and like it just like once I thought I've only of that, seen five. <laughs> oh man oh man <laughs> oh but it, it's so good though it's terrible it's really it's fun. good like, they're all yeah, pretty yeah. fun i hear yeah they're all um uh, my personal favorite is three but like you really can't go wrong like they're nice. all there's there, there's something for everyone in them and the way and the way um the way five kind of <laughs> spoiler sorry the way the way five rolls back into the first movie beautiful right. like yeah the, and, and and like yeah, I, yeah, but this isn't about Final Destination, right? But I, I yeah. wish it was. I wish it was because I think I'd rather watch. <laughs> All right, stop. Having seen the first two Movie Final rules. Destinations, I much would have uh, preferred to have seen those instead of this. Like, yeah, uh, but you haven't seen them, so you don't really. <laughs> Do you remember when the moose was on fire? Yes. Yeah. Caleb's vision is one of the funniest things in the movie. Caleb's fiery vision of a forest of animals on on fire fleeing. I think it's kind of perfect. Like it's a, you know, that's a child's mind being manipulated. And a child would be more scared for animals than humans, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me that it didn't look like some like mid-2000s arcade big buck safari type shit with the animals. <laughs> the animals look so horrible, bro. I'm just oh like, what am I watching right now? <laughs> like, 
that shit killed me. I mean, and it shouldn't have. But no, the, the thing to keep in mind with this movie um, is that this movie was shot in like a couple of months. Like this was not like done. Not take long to make this movie, you know, which explains right. like most of the scenes are pretty plausible. Someone's in a car driving. Someone's in a place talking. They saved all the kind of energy and the budget for these big CGI moments of destruction. And they're all so goddamn funny. <laughs> Just so unintentionally funny. The subway crash includes like POV shots of a train slamming into people. Like I'm right. like, the train's coming towards me. I'm seeing boo, 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 boo. That, getting, like, that reminded me of uh, that scene in Unbreakable. Not Unbreakable, the... Uh, the anime that came comes on Amazon. Oh, Invincible! Yeah, Invincible! Yeah, yeah. Where Omni Man did this? Yeah, that shit was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then the part of it that bothers me with it with this a bit is that like, so they do those things that are just like absurd disaster movie, and it's like it's fun. I mean, you have to appreciate like that's a fun thing, even if they're like it's meant to be a serious moment. Like people are laughing at it. In the New York Times review of of the film, they bring up that like I don't think people were the director meant for people to laugh at those moments, but that's exactly what happened in the theater. People laughed at those moments, but then like it's in flips out to like, after that scene to add like seriousness, they do the, like what I call one of the movies, nine 11 cheap shots, which is exiting the station covered in dust and walking bewildered through the streets of New York. (laughs) (laughs) Did that happen to you, Small? <laughs> Are you walking up from a smoldering wreckage right now? The timing was really good, actually. <laughs> I, I, okay, so like the 9-11 cheap shots. Yes. Can we hear a couple more? I want to hear like, so is that, it's that one, the I fact that they like mention it as one of the, the as one, yeah, It's the first disaster he recognizes. That's the first one. The first yeah. disaster he recognizes. Yeah. And right. then it's there's the primogenitor of this whole thing. A plane crashing into a field which is exactly yeah. in one of the things that happened okay. in Pennsylvania. I mean, that's in Massachusetts to Pennsylvania. Like uh-huh. so there's these multiple moments of just like that thing, the setup of that, Oh, it's a terrorist thing happening in on wall street is the thing that ultimately comes the subway crash, but there's right. like the right. news reports about right. it being a terrorist thing. Like, so they're just playing into this sort of like this sort of trope for a I movie. Mean, I feel like about- he was trying to put together some sort of like collage of this to sort of remind you like we're in a panic state so all of this is supposed to heighten because of this like 9-11 was the primogenitor of like this modern age of of death and destruction right true and it's just badly done i mean it's badly done like in the same way like there's i i saw the other day uh that they've done a uh, they're doing a new version of uh the series queer as folk and it looks like that the kind of event that sparks the new series or something critical new series, it looks like a version of what happened to the, at the massacre, uh, the mass uh, murder at the uh, Pulse nightclub in Orlando. There's a, seems like there's a version of that alluded to it in the trailer. And I just sort of had that. that I thought very, you were going to say it, had, it starts at 9-11. I was like, but why? No, well, yeah, like, <laughs> I was just alarmed because like I was like I'm, I had that sort of like that, that that feeling of like oh that feels too soon or that that feels like 
a weird thing. And again, like I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to whether well the show whether they may they may actually do a brilliant job for it on the show. I'm not I'm not trying to say don't not to but watch it's, it. But it is hard to but like. It, once I saw that, that was, ref, was like, that kind of reference point is really yeah. really hard to pull. Yeah. So like we're yeah, we're really. looking, and you're looking at and this is a film that comes out that's coming out like seven years after 9/11. So like we're yeah. we're like inundated with the rhetoric. So I I understand why. It's there in the film, but there's just so many different points that are just like it's had so, we had is it terrorism? Like a real movie? No, we haven't had a we haven't had a real movie this entire sad, season. But we hadn't had anything with 9-11 as like a thing on screen. And for a while, there were even like movies that were canceled that had plane crashes in. Yeah. Right. But then but then Nicolas Cage. Right yeah. But then Nicholas Cage, of course, then does like World Trade Center. Like he he was he leaned into this like that was that felt very too soon him and oliver stone yeah <laughs> and on top of that like just in general like 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 911 illusions have just become like a really easy shorthand that's used in everything from like stuff like this to even like like you look at what like look at the final 30 minutes of the avengers like that whole shit has 911 written all over it it yeah. literally happens in new york like like i just think about it in the sense that like like after Vietnam happened, like you see so many movies just kind of using the shorthand of the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and like right. so many people using the shorthand of like World War Two, you know, right. Like it's just That's like, sort of what I was yeah. getting is that we were seeing, right, right. we were starting to see melanges of disaster again. But then yeah, like, it's interesting to me. Yeah. And then the, I mean, I keep I keep I'm calling the 9-11 cheap shots because it's like even at the very end of this film. Uh, right when we're basically seeing the devastation, like okay, the the solar flare is hit, and now like everything is just like blowing up in a wave of flame. I- I'm pretty sure we see New York depicted twice in the destructive sequence for a movie that is largely meant to be based in Massachusetts. We see New York get destroyed twice in the final like six minutes of film. But didn't it yeah, feel should... didn't it feel kind of good to see Boston like really burn up? <laughs> Admit that it to could... yourself. That shit confused me at first because, like, I because like I won't lie, I forgot the movie took place in Massachusetts. Like right. up until like up until I went back and read the up until I up until I reread the plot before we hopped on. Like I because like we spend so much time in New York. I'm like, did the movie take place in New York? Like yeah, was it upstate or something? Yeah, but no, nah, no, nah, you're right. It was totally Massachusetts, and 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 and, and even funnier, they shot most of this in Australia, which yes, I just learned too. Like like on back lots and shit yeah. <laughs> just to make it look like Boston. That shit is funny. Well, that's because this director, the director's Australian, Alex Proyas, who like, and Alex Proyas is like a fascinating director because he's like, yeah. he's responsible for like two really incredible cult like films. He did the crow and he directed uh dark city. Like both of those are like wow. really fucking like. I, I love dark city. Yeah. Oh, he made I robot. Crazy. And then he did. And then he did I robot. <laughs> I love I robot. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, same what here. A movie. I watched Fantastic Dark City movie. a couple days ago. Oh, you did? I was did. Your first, was your I first time with movie. it? Oh no, it's my second time. Okay. So I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is getting ugly. <sighs> this is getting real ugly over here. I but like, know so, what you mean. So he <laughs> did. So he did like three films that were like well received in their own respective spaces, like The Crow. Dark City, iRobot being a big Will Smith movie, yeah. and like, and then, then he goes back to Australia to do this. And this is a film that was in. Also, to point out, this was a development hell film. This was a film that was like 
the original script came through from the novel from this novelist who made sci-fi stuff and and kind of these sorts of things and then like yeah they can't really find the right people and the money for it and so it kind of just sits for a bit and then they get some other people to come in they bring it into turn around and then it, and then it's like now we have a director so alex price is all i mean this is not like his idea or anything but it is something where like he's like okay i can try something out with this but this and, was early in the career yeah no this is like this is uh, this is not early because he started out like doing music oh, wow. videos. he was a music video mm-hmm. guy but he like, did what, like what he did like Fleetwood like Mac. was this for him this is like his this is like his fourth feature film wow like so it's actually his sixth it's his sixth it's actually sixth yeah because you had he because before the crow there was like there were a couple of other small films right right the crow yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, there was one called Spirits. Of the, I'm on his page right now. It was okay. called Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Clouds. That was his first movie ever. Okay, what year is that? I didn't realize uh, you did a Gremlins 80, movie. 88. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 88. So it was a Gremlins prequel, are we saying? Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, but ultimately, the thing to really point out is like knowing became his second to last movie. Right. That's unfair. So knowing, which again, knowing did, did, made you know it beat its budget eventually it, did. it was like a 50 million dollar movie that became a 79 million dollar domestic box office and like that's that's good you know it's not amazing but it's it's good it didn't like lose money in way. but then like alex proyas doesn't come back for another seven years and when he does it's with uh you may not even know this movie ever existed but gods of egypt Oh, I remember Gods of Egypt. Gerard Butler's Gods of Egypt. Oh, God. Which uh, well, was... Well, you know what, though? Sometimes... Huge failure. Sometimes when you gain a level of sentience, it drives, you know, it drives you mad. Maybe knowing was not something he needed to do. He didn't need to know. But once you know, you can't, like, turn back the clock on knowing. <laughs> You're knowledgeable. It's a bit you much. I know it. It's a bit much. <laughs> you are though. <laughs> I want to ask a question uh, to each of you. What genre is this film? Can we start with Small Professor? It's a Christian movie. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> Gary. Incredible. It's a fucking Christian movie. It's a Christian movie. Uh, Dylan. Science fiction Christian movie. <laughs> uh huh. So, like, the thing is, you you hit almost all of them. But there's like six genres of this film. Yeah. Uh, and they, what they used to do with it back in the day, they stopped doing this uh, when they started slashing, when it was like drama slash comedy, you know, dramedy or whatever. Uh, they used to just say suspense. This is a suspense film. Mm-hmm. Because you really, I mean, like, it is in a way a Christian film, but if you watch the first two hours of it and not the last like little bit, you wouldn't ever, you really kind of wouldn't say it was a Christian movie. It's a Christian movie. It's so obviously a Christian movie. It is, it is less overt than say left behind again, another film about apocalypse uh, that Uh Nicolas Cage was in. Okay. Are those angels at the end? Is that what we all do? We all yes, of course, they're fucking angels when they show when they turn into their, you know, true forms instead of looking like weird Swedish people who like they <laughs> they transform into silver surfers with angel wings the outlines of angel wings yes it, it is, is kind of vague. yes it is a depiction and then, of a they, thing. But then they don't really fly they like form like, into a massless pod 
Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of pods. And this is honestly closer. They need to resist the like the forces and pressure, the G forces and pressures and like leaving an atmosphere and stuff. So they have human form as well, like some sort of and this is and this is closer to like what angels like actually would look like as opposed to just like people with wings Mm. and like in togas. (laughs) <laughs> like right like yeah angels just look very weird if you haven't seen like a quote-unquote real one before they look like masses with eyes on them like it's kind of wild why were the aliens so creepy mm. Mm. it's also kind of a horror film isn't it they spent the yeah. whole movie like with like these angel aliens who just looked like weird just weird men just who constantly were obsessed with talking to the children and whispering to the children like, it looks fund- like they were in a craft work cover band or some shit like, like fundamentally it really was like fundamentally i'm like what is the deal with dieter from sprockets over here like okay why- oh, God. <laughs> okay so i think i know the answer to this dude i'm coming uh, i'm gonna come over there you keep saying that shit you're not you I'm won't over there. you'll sit right in your house you'll get high and you'll eat some food uh, stop yeah, it yeah probably you're not coming here. <laughs> I know you won't. The, the answer here is that, like, obviously, we're to believe that these alien or angel creatures, these like this mix of alien and angel, that's really hard to say. Uh, they're, trying, they're trying to communicate with the children, but do not speak or speak the language. Because they open and their mouths, light comes out. Right. And like, that's, I mean, that's got to be really hard if you're speaking in light and I'm, you know, speaking Boston. That's a really tough conversation to have. It's hard to communicate with a lot of people. Can't they just write shit down? They can drive cars. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why they can't communicate, but it makes me believe that these aren't angels, but like extraterrestrial beings. We also don't really see them do much else. You know, like we see them, we see them drive a car. We see one of them open their mouth and have like a flashlight in their throat. And then they like take the kids like they don't really do like they just kind of like show up and then just like astral project like awful looking CGI animals burning in a forest. And then they turn into angels and go away. Yeah. So what I believe happened is they came 50 years before. 59 i guess it was or whatever it was yeah they came and they tried to communicate with a child and the child harmed itself and so they left and then they came back later for to like try again this was like another trial run and that they had they knew how much time they had and all of this is like them communicating to the children which the the real issue here is that they were trying to communicate with children yeah. And like if you can't take like 10 seconds to like look around at the planet you're inhabiting and figure out that like some people can be, uh, communicate better than others and maybe can figure this stuff out. That's a failing of these these angel aliens. Because we never get a, a clear sense of why these children were chosen. Like what reason for their. Yeah. Why were they made to know? Yeah. Well, there's no there's no explanation for that. But again, that all for me goes back to what small professor was saying before like this is a christian movie this falls this is clearly based around some sort of ideas i wonder like i mean let's elaborate a bit more on that aspect of it why did you sort of like just call out as a genre this is christian 
I just got that sense by the end, I guess, with the the Garden of Eden reveal mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I thought the that's same thing. when I was like, oh, that's what this is. Now I get it. Like, and the apocalypse scene was, you know, like revelations. Like that's that's what I felt after that final scene, pretty much. Yeah, it's why, okay. So then, why? And maybe I'm just asking the wrong questions. But why did did we need a movie to show us this? Why do we need to know? Well, <laughs> we we didn't need this movie. Is the answer? Uh, I see. Question. I disagree. So what I believe <laughs> is that the reason that we get these like hard biblical references, there's like they bring two rabbits aboard, like two of every animal. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. And so, like, we don't know what the other kids, like, maybe they were made to choose these animals. Maybe they all brought animals. And all of this, like, biblical stuff is basically to show that, like, we're not far off with our creation story, but that it's happening in a lot of different places. Does that make sense? It does. Because they're the only two on that planet, and they're meant to populate that planet. No, 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 they're not the only two on that planet. They're not the only two on that planet. They're not? No. Yeah, no, there was a bunch. Because if you see, you only see them walking toward right. like frolicking with bunnies towards the tree of life is that right that fucking is? but as you look up into the sky there are multiple ships leaving the planet which seems to me that these have all ah. multiple ships are that say they multiple ships left Good earth catch. have brought so they're just repopulating people. a planet exactly and that's they're all they're a planet okay. and so like the kids aren't it's left still there by like the theory is not dead though out. with more kids the theory is not dead but basically like we're not far off from our vision of how it started. It's just that we're kind of off on who did it and why. I think you're, right. I think you're thinking too hard about it. First, no, no, no. That's the thing with this movie is that like it's really fun to think about the whys and the weird particulars. But that's the best I'm, part. I'm riding. I'm riding with Jeff on this because I watched this movie with my partner and we had the exact same. Like, like before we realized that the ships were choosing mad people off of Earth, our first thought was like, they just chose these two kids. Like, A, they chose two children who, yeah. like, don't know shit. B, they just chose, like, to, like oh, two no. people are supposed <laughs> So people, so, like, these two children are supposed to repop, like, they're going to repopulate the entire Earth by themselves? Like, two people? Like, I was, yeah. like, I was, like, dumb confused because, like, we left to go somewhere and then came back so the whole time we're like what sense does that make and then as soon as we started it again is the part where all the ships are leaving earth and it's like right. oh, okay so they got a bunch of people but like right and the the story that we tell is that it's only two people that we focus on two people as like a a symbol of humanity as a larger group right and that's and, th- and that's another and that's another indication that this is a christian film because it works yeah. more as a parable than it does as actual fucking science right that's a whole other conversation <laughs> yeah this film is not made with the sense of science in it but there's definitely i mean like I, i'm i'm not a pentecostal are you christian. saying that he wasn't a very good astrophysicist he works at mit gary what do you do he's the son of a pastor as he says, uh, that's so mocking. Oh, I'm the son of a pastor. <laughs> I'm the son. Oh, of we pastor. haven't even talked about his dad at all. But that's oh, man. his dad, which I mean, like they couldn't find any actor of note to play the dad. Play the dad after all that buildup, like of his resolve, just like some guy who looks vaguely old. Like, okay, oh, you're the dad. 
I won't cap. I thought he was Craig T. Nelson the first time I saw him, but he's like not Craig wish. T. Nelson. That would have been fucking great. wish. It would have been crazy. I was they should have put like that. they should have put somebody of note in there because it's just sort of like you have this character now who shows up and then like you finally see him and he's just like, Well, if 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 this is my time, then this is my time. I'm like, you're stupid. Who's this stupid man? But <laughs> and, to be fair, I have actually like many times had that kind of conversation with my like the fundamentalist side of my family. And it's it usually ends once you get to a certain level of question, it usually ends with eh, when it's time to end, it'll end. Yeah, same. I've been there. and they're like cheering, you know, in some cases with a lot of people I knew, not really family, but they were like cheering for that end. They were, you know, they would they would egg that end on. They're ready for this to be over and they take over their their next life. And, and this stockpile shit, bro. That shit is scary. Like they like really, yeah. they 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 like really. I've seen it. It's they it's want awful. to be. The, they <laughs> want the honor of being the last generation on it. Yeah, they're and chosen. It's so worrisome to me now that I've been forced to think about this. It's like it being a Christian film, but it brings up another aspect of sort of the nine eleven exploitation. Because this to me is a nine eleven exploitation film in a lot of ways. And definitely. And over the course of this conversation, I've sort of come to realize that it goes even to the level of it being a Christian film, because one of the threads of post 9-11 life was that um, it required this, our Christian nation to go into the Middle East to yeah. do things. And it's like and then it becomes kind of like it talks about like our Israel policy and things of that sort where it gets to the point where and bear with me on this, but. It gets to the point where the idea of like, why do fundamentalist apocalypse Christians support the state of Israel? It's because they know that in order to bring on Armageddon and the events of the book, their of Revelation, book says, yeah, the book as their book says, says, they have to do that. These things have to happen. Right. And so it's like, I, okay, then like that attitude of this pastor in this is deeply concerning to me. Right. And you know what else is really interesting? I just realized that I was just clicking around three years after um, three years before this with the documentary Jesus Camp came out. Mm -hmm. And that movie kind of changed my life because like I didn't realize like that was my first exposure to like the fundamentalist Christians and just like seeing how they indoctrinate kids. And now See, that yeah, I couldn't watch that movie specifically because I was an indoctrinated Mm. like okay. I, I went i went hard into that world and so maybe i'm just like hypersensitive to seeing like there's a there's a ton of wild weird biblical references and essentially if you go really deep into this film nicholas cage is basically john screaming the revelations of people and like john no one is really listening it could be argued for sure. <laughs> like I, I really, I really didn't even think about the religious. I didn't think about much of like, like I thought about it in the surface level sense. Cause like Ezekiel's in it, but like, I didn't really think about it on like that deeper. Like I didn't like, like, like it was, it was all the surface level shit for me, but like I, you y'all talking about this now is really, wow. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Wow. The movie's actually pretty dope. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. No, stop, Gary. Stop trying to like talk everybody out of it. Like I'm trying to talk them into it because that is fair and I don't want it to be fair. I want you to lose. <laughs> I think, I think we're at that point. I think we're at that point. No, no. Okay. No, we cannot, we cannot end this conversation until we discuss the wild call to the FBI. 
<laughs> the best part of this fucking film. And it's not close. The rest of this film can ride in hell comparative to him calling an FBI hotline from a payphone and wildly raving to them to shut down a giant section of New York, then smash cut to 15 minutes later. And he's screaming at a random cop, why haven't you closed this part of the <laughs> This Why is not a crank call. That's the one thing I wrote down. I wrote down one line in this movie. I wrote, this is not a crank <laughs> not call. Not a crank call, which is the last thing a person who's making a crank call would say. <laughs> like the irrational, the irrational nature of that whole scene. It's just like, by the time he gets it, like the thing is, is by watching as many times as I do, like it was that was that was again probably my favorite part of the, of the movie. It's, it's, oh, it's like the it's what the fuck. Scene. But then, like the more you watch it again, I watched this twice for for the show. Once high, once so. I think this is like my fourth time seeing that. Way. And I, the, when I watch one thing, I the one thing I noticed on the second <laughs> watch that I didn't pay attention much to in the first because I was just so bored was there's zero significance. Maybe there's a biblical thing. But zero significance to the storyline of this movie of those smooth little black stones. They didn't do anything. It was all just like build up they, to show a they couple did of hovering rocks hover at the near in end. the air for a very very long time. Did and the not, aliens leave them there? Because like that's what I thought the again. Like, but like why? You know, I thought that <laughs> I the stones. Know. I thought that the stones were uh, like a directional tool. Like he handed the kid the stone because they knew they would think it was a clue. And everywhere they found the stones, you know, you, they were supposed to find those places. Does that make sense? It's like a weird treasure yeah, hunt, okay. but they never really explained it or did anything with it. It was really stupid. Yeah, like why are there five stones underneath uh, adult Lucinda's bed? I think that she was finding the stones and bringing them back to her her lair, I guess, whatever that was, that she was in a trailer, I guess, in the middle. I mean, like that thing wasn't even couldn't have been hooked to water or power. It was literally in the middle of like a, a field. At least she was able to get meth. Fair. And that's important. There was too little meth usage in the movie. That's the answer to the question. <laughs> Is this a good bad movie? Yes. Explain. Explain. <laughs> Why do we just did for an hour? Explain, Explain yourself. Explain. Um, it it sh it should have been two different movies. It's two movies together that hmm. don't make sense to me. Um, but the special effects scenes uh are so absurd and they look so cool. So it's a a movie that I would watch again just to like laugh at it more because and I to know, know to know yeah, more uh, right into <laughs> that. But that's exactly how I would describe it. And there's nothing wrong with being a good bad movie. Mm -hmm. No, entertainment is entertainment. I basically agree. Like, like I like I still can't tell where exactly i fall but i can say that i had a great time watching this i laughed my ass off for 80 percent of it and so you know what yeah good bad movie definitely it's it's like like if it's bad and i'm pointing out all the reasons that it's bad but i'm still having fun that's a good bad movie so gary did we watch the same fucking movie 
We did. <laughs> how is they this, know. The thing is, is, they know. And you seem to be stubborn to knowing. I give up. I fucking give I up. I wish I could see Gary's face right I now. fucking give up. Gary, Gary, go camera on while we while we wrap this up. This is an uh, audio podcast. The thing that I the thing that I truly love about this film is that it is it's like incredibly it, it's it's this incredible set of like opposites, extreme opposites. Like this is a very boring, exciting film. You know what I mean? Like it plods and like there's whole scenes where you're just like, oh my God, what the fuck? But each one of them comes with a wild reward. Rose Byrne's death is just an incredible, like what she does at the gas station from the gas station to where she dies is like classic. You are just not thinking about this behavior. You can't just decide you're going to like run red lights in the middle of all this craziness when people are jumping in their cars and driving everywhere. And it's every one of them. And then at the end, you get this ultimate weird ending. It's just so entertaining, the choices they make in this film. I love this film. I know. Also, it's a, re- it's, I, I can't believe I got to bring this up. It's a really ugly looking movie. Mm. Like, real just ugly like, digital just, shit. Yeah, just, yeah. And like, not, not even, not even just like digital wise, but just like the cinematography and the color palette. It's just so like it's just so drab and unappealing. Like it, it like it's like it's like three shades away from being like sepia tone, but like it's not. So like everything has like a little bit of color, but not really. And everything like every shot just looks like puke. Like it just has like puke. Except color, that like you know? except like, the ascension of the aliens with the children in the pots. Except all for that, sudden, all of a sudden you've you've plotted through this horrible, stupid thing, and you get this incredible, crazy shot of departing survivors like that's gorgeous but like the rest of it it's the like the rest of it really looks like somebody just like caked vomit all over the lens and just like it's just like a really just unappealing looking movie like it's everything about this movie is just so fucking bizarre to me i don't know it's weird the way they pick their refugees that's for certain Mm -hmm. yeah why did why, why didn't they pick like more smart people like, why didn't they pick, like, humanity's best? I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe they did pick humanity's best and brightest. They could have picked an MIT astrophysicist. Right? <laughs> he was right fucking there. But his questioning, his questioning of a world beyond his own world precluded him from, from going. Because and that's sort of like adulthood. Like, yeah. a, well, sort of, but, like, adulthood in general leads you to those questions. And the kids don't ask those questions, so they got to go. They, they knew they were the ones that got to know. This is some fucking bullshit. Movie rips, dude. He Come definitely on. was punished for not believing in God. Do you know what I think about you? Do you know what I want you to do? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know, Gary? Do you know now? Do you understand now? I don't know anymore. I I, I just don't know. You don't know anymore? I, I bring people on this show. Uh-huh. I, I feel like I have a sense that they're going to 
fight back against us. And like, I've been wrong so many times this season. I'm, I'm baffled. I'm baffled. So you don't, I, I think I wager to go as far as to say, you don't know. I mean, like I get that Nicholas Cage is like quite well liked by me among everyone mm, else. People know him. But this was sort of like the beginning of him having this kind of massive career dip where like he does bad movies. It seems like he's right. like knowingly engaging in like this <laughs> sort of know. sabotage. Uh, no. Here's the thing. Here's the weirdest thing. You got me it. saying it now. I, <laughs> I, picked, I picked knowing, you know, that was my pick. And I, I kind of knew that no one would have seen it. It just feels like whenever I, if I bring it up to people, when people bring up Nicolas Cage, it is fully skipped. People just don't talk about it. But if you go on the like aggregate sites, mm-hmm. your Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, all these things, critics are like, to hell with this thing. Well, audiences in general were like, what a romp. I was like, that was an okay movie. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a truly enigmatic film, starting with the fact that like, no one seems to know it exists. Yeah, and the fact that I confused it with Next when you first uh, right. I thought like, oh, is Which that I've the never one? Seen. Which you should actually. I'm going to tell you that, in my opinion, Next is a good bad movie. Okay, and it's a better it's a better watch than this. So you should watch Next. Um, okay, I'll watch Next. Totally I mean, I'm not watching. scared of watching, but that's not the movie. Okay. That's not the movie. I'm going to make clear that's not the movie that we're watching for this podcast. Because I, I am that maybe I, I am not yes. you. I am done with the softballs. I have like. There are some okay. Wait, Catnab was a softball, it was a fur ball. Gaudy was a softball, it was the hairball. I guess zeros and softballs have a similar shape, but like, how are any of these soft? What are you doing? To these, are, these are softballs compared to what I have in my arsenal. These were softballs, and now that there's clearly zero sign of me winning this, oh, Lord no God. chance now. Like, so cooked, I've got no fucking reason. <laughs> To do anything no but throw reason. I got no reason to show anything, throw anything your way other than stuff that I know you won't like. You know I won't like it. I okay. know you won't like this. So like, no, I'm going to borrow from your fucking. Just parts. to be clear, I know you won't like this movie. You voted against on your own terms. Movies you chose and then voted against aren't like nihilism. That's not the nihilism. We're going to go lower than multiple zeros that was a different time jeff and we are now going to have a very special time with a very special movie is it robin williams and jack i'm not a nazi okay 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 i'm not some fucking listen the line between nihilism and fascism isn't like a very thick line have you seen beverly hills cop i think you know that i have have you seen Midnight Run? No, actually. Have you seen Scent of a Woman? Well, of course I have. Now, if I told you that yeah. we were going to watch a movie from mm. the same director as these movies, what would you say? I would say it's probably either it's got to be the last one he ever did and we'll never hear from him again. Do you know what that one is? I don't. I'm not excited. Coming in at 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, God. It's Ben Affleck oh. and Jennifer Lopez. No. In Zeely. No. We're watching Zeely. Zeely? 
We watched Gili. Gili. We watched Gili. Here's what here. Okay. We just got out of a movie about Noah. I like no next to nothing about this film. We're going to watch Gili. I'm really, really not looking forward to this. You are going to hate this fucking movie. I'm going to fucking hate this fucking You're going to hate this movie so much. <sighs> Can this we is... do the Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston one? What, the breakup? Or something? Yeah, like this. No, guy. that actually. That actually... You do, you're going to do this to re- reputable guests? Oh, you don't but even Just because you're losing an imaginary contest? You don't even know, man. You are not even I prepared. I do know. You're not even prepared I'm for I'm one of three guests. people on this podcast that knew tonight. You are unprepared oh. for who I'm bringing on as guests to talk about G. Is it Jennifer Lopez? All in due time, Jeff. All in due time. It's the Cabbages Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>